0: Peace, we Welcome back to the Alcos Mainstream Podcast. Today, we talk with an executive who's leading the charge for private markets, Web3, and tokenization at one of the largest publicly traded financial services companies, FIS. FIS is one of the world's leading financial services companies. Over 95% of the world's banks work with FIS, their asset management technology processes $40 trillion on an annual basis, and their products and services reach clients globally. In the alt space, they work with the majority of the world's private equity funds and alternative asset managers. FIS is a focused initiative on Web3 and digital assets. John Avery, today's guest, is responsible for that initiative. John's background spans both technology, where he was a developer in the 1990s, and financial markets, where he built capital markets software that was acquired by SunGuard, which was then acquired by FIS. John believes in the infrastructure promise of blockchain technology and how it can create efficiencies in private markets. So we had a fascinating conversation as we delve into how digital assets can transform private markets. Thanks, John, for coming on the Alcos Mainstream podcast to share your wisdom and experiences. If you like this podcast, you can listen or read more about alts by subscribing at altgoesmainstream.substack.com.
1: Welcome to the Elkos Mainstream Podcast. Michael, thank you. Thanks for having me here. Really excited to be here. And I did want to start by thanking you to ask me to join this very exclusive podcast club for AGM. I'm very honored to be on the platform, as along with some very well-known folks in the industry.
0: That's awesome. Well, you all are right up there, and you're one of the largest financial services companies, $33 billion or so public company, fintech giant. I believe 85% of U.S. financial institutions are FIS clients. So the fact that you're excited about private markets and crypto is a really big deal to the whole space. I want to start with why is FIS so excited about private markets and then Web3 as it relates to private markets?
1: Indeed. And I'll start with, Michael, I'm very proud of the breadth and depth that FIS has in the market as one of the leading incumbent fintech providers. Some of our services date back, actually, about 55 years to 1968. We've also been providing services to crypto and digital asset natives for eight years, dating back to 2015. So given this long history in powering mission-critical financial services for our clients, we get excited by evolutionary and revolutionary advances in the technology that we can employ to offer services to clients. We've been there at the start of nearly all innovations in banking and payments and trading and investing over the past 25, 30 years And we're really excited by what lies ahead for us, not only in digital assets and the digital asset markets, but also how those markets intersect with all of the potential innovation and opportunity in the private asset markets.
0: I want to touch on something that you just said, evolutionary and revolutionary changes in a market. What would you define as evolutionary changes in private markets? And what would you define as revolutionary changes in private
1: markets? Evolutionary changes are things in the market that ultimately deliver something along the lines of 10% or more in efficiency gains or growth. Revolutionary changes in the market are things that ultimately drive a much greater change in the markets or in how consumers interact with technology. I like to think of something I learned from Peter Diamandis. The word that he uses to describe that is exponential change. So when I think about revolutionary change in the markets, whether it be for private asset markets or even in technologies, I like to look and talk about those opportunities for exponential change. And we're talking about opportunities to increase efficiency or increase growth by 10x instead of 10%.
0: How do you think about balancing both evolutionary and revolutionary change? Because you work with many of the largest financial institutions in the world, How do you help lead them to water, both in the shorter term, as well as longer term, as you think about some of these
1: bigger trend lines that are really impacting private markets? Private markets is a great working example of where ultimately a set of evolutions might ultimately end up delivering revolutionary scale. And I think the way to think about a company like FIS, and we've been involved in many innovations over the the past 30 years, including things like the internet and early days of e-commerce through to cloud computing and even applications of artificial intelligence to certain operational problems in our technology platform. So Michael, when I think about private markets and the role that a company like FIS plays, what's really important is we already power uh, many of the traditional uh, actors and players in the private asset markets today and offer services and technology that performs things like fund accounting, investor onboarding, investor reporting, performance reporting. We even have services that scale beyond just the private markets in things like custody and brokerage and transfer agency services, particularly for publicly traded securities and funds. And I think, Michael, when you think about a company like FIS, what's most important in any innovation, whether it's evolutionary or revolutionary, is really the role that we play in helping our clients along that journey to apply innovative technology. And what that requires is a period of time of coexistence, coexistence with some of the platforms and services that FIS might have already been offering in the market for 20, 30 years. It's really important that these systems and platforms and services coexist with new innovation. And so we do spend a lot of time in really helping to drive industry adoption of new innovative technology and services, but it requires that coexistence and that ability to really build upon what already exists in the market, whatever we already service for clients. And we spend a lot of time focusing and working with innovators on how to create these integrated offerings that ultimately accelerate adoption of innovation in the industry. I love this concept.
0: I actually wrote about this as we were going from 2022 to 2023 on Alco's mainstream. I said, evolution's power revolutions and the market structure evolution that's occurred in private markets has created an alt's revolution that's here to stay. And if you think about that, you've been privy to seeing other market structure evolutions, equities, fixed income derivatives. You ran a large business at FIS that was focused on derivatives, And then now we're in the alt space and crypto web three is a piece of that. How would you take prior experiences and what you've done, having a front row seat, participating in some of those evolutions? How would you apply that to today's version of that that you're doing in web three and private markets as you see this evolution happening and the revolution that's going to come from all these? bits and pieces that you're pulling together.
1: Over the past 50 years, there's been this recurring pattern of financial product innovation that marries forward-looking capital, but on both sides of a transaction or a trade. And it marries that capital seeking opportunity with the technology capabilities of the time. So you reference a few good historical examples here, starting with listed derivatives back as early as the 1970s, continuing with OTC derivatives like swaps in the 90s. These innovations were really driven by increasing electronification of the markets, democratization of advanced computational power at the time, and institutional capital chasing improved portfolio risk management, diversification, and yield. We hear a lot of the same terms these days applied to things like private asset, market democratization, and even tokenization in Web3. Even in the late 90s and maybe more so after Dodd-Frank, nearly 100% of the electronic markets and market access has allowed private capital in the liquid alt space to actually play an increasing role in providing liquidity to the market. And this is in securities and derivatives and credit. So it's not a surprise then that if we just sort of play forward that continuum and that trajectory that started back in the early 70s, it's not a surprise that with the growth in private capital investment over the past 10 years in relation to and versus the public market growth, which is really sort of tailed off a little bit in relative terms compared to the private asset growth in the market, there's really two things that are happening in parallel. The first is, Managers and less liquid alts like private equity, credit, and real estate have seen tremendous growth over the past 10 years, and particularly growth of capital deployed in their funds and in their products. But they absolutely need access to new sources and pools of investor capital to continue this growth trajectory. right? So that's the issuer side or one side of the trade. The other is the high net worth retail investors are really just waking up to the ways of the institutional allocator. And the access the institutional allocators have had for potentially outsized returns in private assets, these high net worth retail investors are challenging their advisors to go beyond the 60-40 model portfolio and look for a much more diversified, rich portfolio that offers better returns at a lower risk profile. I think it's that combination of issuer and investor as well as the market timing and demand for private capital uh, as an alternative to the public markets. So when you marry that with the innovation and the potential innovation offered in technologies like Web3 and tokenization, you have this alignment of a whole number of different things that need to come together in order to really drive that revolutionary impact on the market. How
0: do you as a technology provider and a solutions provider work with many of these larger issuers to help them achieve the goals that you just talked about
1: one of the most important roles that fis plays particularly for the private asset issuers and the role that we've played for many years as a trusted advisor in providing software and services to this particular sector of the industry is i think exemplified in the conversations we've had with these clients over the past three or four months first part of 2023 The resounding feedback from over 50 managers that are FIS clients has been, we've heard all the announcements on tokenization. We've seen what's going on in the market. We really would love for you to come to us with a complete solution that solves for legal and regulatory and operational and even technology concerns. They're seeking a complete end-to-end solution that offers an easier on-ramp to providing tokenized forms of their products to new investors. What they've shared with us is they definitely understand some measure of the technology and how it applies, but they've also offered up that one of the roles that FIS plays as a trusted advisor is figuring out the ways that they need us to glue all this technology And all of the processes and even some of the legal entities together to provide a solution for them, since they're focused on creating product, accessing and raising capital, and then supporting hopefully additional pool of investors and investor capital. They need a complete end-to-end solution. And at the moment, the market's not providing that.
0: There's usually a tipping point that happens. As asset classes go mainstream, in the case of some of the other aforementioned examples, it's electronification. And Sure, that's more institutional markets, but then you saw that pave the way for retail brokerage, things of that nature. Over time, then go to the, the individual investor. In the alt space, you talk about things like tokenization, and some large funds have already talked about doing tokenization. KKR has mentioned this, that they were working on a tokenized fund using Avalanche blockchain that may become more and more of an increasing occurrence. What needs to happen for things like tokenization in private markets to go
1: mainstream? For tokenization to go mainstream, particularly in the private alts market, we probably have to define what mainstream means first. As an example, mainstream could mean hundreds of billions in high net worth capital accessing the private equity asset class efficiently and at scale. I personally would prefer to see more than a trillion dollars of high net worth investable capital deployed into the private equity asset class. But in order to get there, we've just started the journey. I think it probably goes without saying at this point, but it's worth saying again, regulatory clarity and some distance between crypto and the underlying blockchain technology that powers tokenization is a really important first dependency we need to solve for, right? But it's not the only one. We need to move beyond press releases and tokenization. We need to move beyond closed single vendor solutions and single product offerings into more standards-based issuance of assets and product and distribution. I noted earlier that we've spoken to many of our FIS clients and particularly the issuers and shared that Uh, one of the biggest challenges they have too is really access to high net worth investors through the Wealth Advisor channel at scale. So being able to scale that up is really, really important. I also think to get to mainstream, we're going to have to end up seeing innovation in packaged product offerings. There I'm thinking fund of funds or fund of tokens, product innovations that don't even necessarily exist yet in current form, that will be easier for advisor-managed wealth platforms to really offer private assets in investor portfolios at scale.
0: On that point, what does the investor community have to do in order to be able to accept tokens, deal with the whole post-investment or post-trade process, custody of those tokens, the ability to trade or liquidate those tokens, the ability to hold them
1: somewhere? How does that all work? Another great question. You're really talking about the end-to-end flow in tokenization. It's worth noting again, we're really talking in tokenization terms about applying new technology to existing regulated product in existing regulated flows. And what that requires. So what's required to make all of that happen from issuance through to distribution, to custody, and even secondary trading in the market? Well, what's required is It's not just about the technology. I think there's been a whole number of providers as well as examples where you can actually take an asset and put it on a blockchain, create a smart contract that represents that particular asset and allows investors to invest. But there is so much more innovation beyond just the technology itself. That's innovation in the regulation, innovation in policies and rules, innovation in how that technology ends up being employed as a new technology in and to support those existing regulated assets in those existing regulated rails.
0: As you think about innovation, there's different waves of innovation. There are people who are first movers, there are people who come in second. In financial services, often no one wants to be first, which is fine. It's understandable because the risk with being first and being wrong is often too great. When you think about something like this, something that tokenization is innovative, What is the risk to
1: not being a first mover? That's also a great question. And tokenization, in our view, it's going to take probably another five years to reach critical mass. And obviously, the numbers are big at the five-year mark, as we've seen from a whole number of research papers in the industry that the industry's published even as recently as a week or two ago. But it is going to be quite a journey to get there. What's going to happen... For this to
0: go mainstream, what do you think the market needs to see on both the issuer side as well as the investor side when it comes to both sides getting comfortable with using tokenization from an end-to-end process?
1: The first thing that's going to have to happen is we're going to have to have regulatory clarity between blockchain technology and some of the crypto assets that are built on top of that technology. At the moment, the debate and even some of the rulemaking and lawmaking and policy construction that's underway can get very complicated in defining and delineating the difference between a crypto asset and the underlying blockchain technology. In addition to the regulation and the regulatory clarity, it's going to be really important that firms invest time effort, and energy, both on the issuance side through to distribution and investment and everything in between in order to participate in early forms of tokenization offerings and services. And that could either be participating as an issuer, participating as an investor or an advisor uh, to investors. But ultimately, I think as we've seen with innovation time and time again, if you wait on the sidelines- Until that innovation has achieved mainstream success, it'll likely be too late for you to really participate and apply that technology and that innovation in a meaningful way to your existing business. A lot of the work that we're doing is with issuers, investors, advisors who are eager to explore, but need the support of a firm like FIS who ultimately has a role to play from that issuance process all the way through to distribution. Right. I think that's important is that there, there isn't a single firm that you can go to to support the end-to-end flows that ultimately clients will need in the industry.
0: How would you delineate between crypto assets and blockchain technology? What's the difference and why is this so important?
1: So most importantly is that crypto assets ultimately exist solely on the blockchain, 100%. And those are probably comparable to what you had historically referred to as bearer instruments or bearer bonds, for example, where your only certificate of ownership is ultimately some numbers on a blockchain database somewhere. Ultimately, when we look at the blockchain database technology, and I refer to it as database technology, because I think it's important to put blockchain into the context of a whole number of innovations that have happened probably since the early 80s with the advent of the relational database in the 80s internet technology and communications in the 90s, cloud computing in the 2010s, blockchain really as a technology allows for, at least in the public blockchain space, allows for a database of financial ownership or non-financial ownership, asset ownership, transactions between two asset owners or counterparties. It allows for that database and those transactions to be distributed across many different individual uh, computers, individuals providing that the infrastructure for that database, institutions providing for that infrastructure for that database, as well as for that database to exist beyond corporate or even sovereign boundaries, at least in the public blockchain example. And this is what makes it a little bit more challenging to regulate because blockchain has certain properties, at least public blockchain, that defy how current financial services and even technology uh, regulations and laws work today.
0: You were recently in D.C. with policymakers discussing blockchain-based technology. What would be most helpful for Web3, particularly as it relates to private markets from a regulatory perspective?
1: Clarity and distance between the underlying blockchain technology applied as new rails for existing regulated assets, is going to be imperative for Web3 adoption, particularly in tokenization. It's going to take a little bit longer to work through the pure 100% on-chain crypto asset regulations than it will the blockchain-focused technology support. And there's going to be ultimately a regional element to adoption as well, particularly in the regulatory space, because there's so many differing degrees of adoption and clarity and maturity in how digital asset regulation is being drafted around the world. What's going to be probably most helpful for Web3 from a regulatory perspective, really to drive adoption, is a simple stepwise approach to regulation in each jurisdiction that matters. And that stepwise approach is going to have to really provide clarity in steps or stages to avoid trying to boil the ocean with one-size-fits-all regulatory policy That's going to just take years to get to. And I think that's the balance. And I've been impressed with at least what I've seen and heard from my time in DC is an awareness that there is a need to really try to break this down into manageable pieces of lawmaking that can ultimately then influence policy. And then to ultimately bring all that together in something that ends up being comprehensive that covers all digital asset use cases.
0: How do you see this unfolding from a practical perspective, It's going to take time, but if you could lay out what you think the game is going to look like, what are the first real-world assets that are going to be tokenized, and what does that process
1: look like? The first real-world assets to be tokenized at any meaningful scale are going to be private assets. Why is that? It's because today, scale, or the lack of scale, and the inability to scale up To support a significant number of investors is sort of a factor that's impeding that ability to go and and really take those private assets mainstream. And so, because private assets are slow and inefficient to scale, and public markets are already relatively efficient, scaling is going to be that critical factor that ultimately has to happen for democratized private capital access to high net worth investors around the world. And so, we really believe that private assets, particularly the less liquid, and access to these products is ultimately going to drive the need for tokenization going forward.
0: Is there a specific asset, whether it's private equity, venture, there's been blockchain funds that have been tokenized as well, real estate. Is there any particular asset that you think is one that's going to come first and any particular reason why?
1: Before we answer that on the tokenized forms of those particular alts, I'd like to call out an already very rich set of innovators in alts today that are not necessarily applying blockchain technology to provide democratized access to different asset classes in the alt space. These could be SPV-based forms of investment and democratized access. These could be regional specific offerings or some combination thereof. And we're talking access to private equity, to private debt, to venture, to hedge, real estate, art. Those innovations have developed over the past 10 years or so. I know, Michael, you've even spent time at some of these firms and invest in some of these firms. That innovation will continue and that journey will continue. But I do think some of the future is yet to be written here on what asset class actually achieves critical mass and distribution into the high net worth space via some form of tokenization. I think it's still open. I don't necessarily have a strong opinion On which asset class it is, other than the fact that there are investors out there who want access to these products, who don't have access to these products today, don't have easy access to these products. We have advisors, whether they're affiliated with a bigger broker or whether they're an RIA, who want to provide richer alternative investment product experiences to their clients and can't. This also harkens back to something I said a little bit earlier that part of the continued innovation in this space will be finding ways to package up fund of funds or fund of token products that ultimately aggregate different slices of the alts market into sort of meaningful aggregated products that can be then layered into an existing portfolio of equities, of bonds, of derivatives, maybe of some real estate as well. So I think there is still a long future ahead of us of product innovation, and it's going to ultimately use some of the raw materials from the private alt space today in the asset classes that we've just talked about here?
0: Product innovation is going to be key, as you say, but so is trust, particularly given what happened over the last six months to a year in crypto. More broadly, there have been some rather challenging times for the crypto space. Now, again, I think this goes back to maybe decoupling crypto assets and the trading of those assets, and the speculative nature of some of those assets with the underlying blockchain technology that can be a utility for private markets broadly. What would you say on the topic of trust, and how would you message things so that people understand why this can actually be a good thing for private markets?
1: I'm glad we're drilling down into the specifics here on the technology. Trust, I think there's a multidimensional view on trust that we probably need to unpack here a little bit. And the first is blockchain as a technology, and it can exist in many different forms. There's public blockchains that span the world. There's private permission blockchains that could be offered just by a single corporate entity. And obviously, even a whole regulatory framework, particularly a financial services framework, at least in the US, 110 plus years of financial services law that's been powered by different technologies over those 110 years, including very heavily paper-based back when some of this started out in the the early part of the 20th century. So trust ultimately is going to come from not only what happens on the blockchain technology itself, but also what happens off-chain. And this is a lot of the area of focus that FIS pays attention to here, and a lot of the work that we're doing and investing in in tokenization at the moment is how we plug our existing products and services into the different variations of tokenized flows out there in the market, whether they be in the U.S, in Europe, in the U.K, in markets in APAC. What's most important for us to facilitate and drive adoption of a new technology innovation, like blockchain. In order to create trust in the clients that have entrusted FIS for many years by providing mission-critical services to them, they trust FIS to support the integration with some of these innovative providers that are out there. It's in collaboration and integration with FIS and vendors like FIS that there will be enough trust or will have crossed a trust threshold So clients are willing to support and experiment with different offerings. The most important thing that anyone can do in this space, particularly in 2023 and 2024, is to start the process, go down the path of tokenization. And what that means is putting an asset on chain as an issuer. It means getting that first high net worth investor at some advisor managed wealth broker. Being able to demonstrate that you can take a asset, get it on the blockchain, have an investor invest in it, and then ultimately have all of that flow integrated with all of the systems, processes, tools, and people that support those existing non-blockchain flows today. That's the work that we really need to do as an industry in 2023 and 2024
0: in more traditional asset classes we've seen industry consortiums we've seen working groups of many of the largest firms whether they be buy-side sell-side particularly when it comes to trading come together to try to do things like that have you seen the same thing happen in alts where many of the largest players are coming together in industry groups or in consortiums to try to move this space forward
1: i think we need to see more in this space to be honest michael you know we we've had access and have really engage with most of the innovators in the Web3 space, as an example, in tokenization. And they've really sought out FIS because of our experience in the private asset markets servicing the issuers today. They've sought out FIS because of our access to clients like the wealth advisors that they're targeting and seeking access to at scale. We've had some experience in other asset classes and In the electronification of the markets overall, where standards have been critical to drive adoption at scale. I think about things like the FIX protocol or things like the innovations that ISDA has created for OTC derivatives, right? whether in contract standards or templates, or even in data transfer standards like the FPML or financial product markup language. I think what's really important going forward is creating the appropriate structure of consortia to facilitate adoption. And that could be different groups that come from the same company type. I'm referring to there, let's say, a number of fund admins coming together to create some standard that ultimately drives economies of scale for the fund administration community, particularly in how they take advantage of and apply tokenization to their needs to scale their business. Or groups of issuers and managers to come together and create some mutualized standards that ultimately reduce the cost and risk of every one of them trying to adopt this technology and innovation by themselves. I'll call it a more group-by-group approach. The second approach that we've seen you know, success with, at least in other asset classes, is when you have an end-to-end sort of set of constituents for a particular transaction flow, all come together to create a standards body or to create a standard process or come together to try to produce... A result for the industry. I've seen this particularly in the U.S. securities market, where you have very active bodies like SIFMA, who support both buy-side and sell-side participants, um, as well as the service providers who support them. We've seen this as well with industry bodies and listed derivatives like the FIA, where for futures options and even cleared swaps, industry adoption of change has been more efficient because of the role that these neutral independent industry bodies play in fostering and facilitating standards. Now, I do think there's more work to do in alts. Historically, what we've seen in alts is it hasn't necessarily been as transparent or open or accessible as the public markets. And so the standards bodies aren't necessarily as mature as what we've seen in public market standard adoption. And I think It's worth noting, that's part of the reason why the public markets are so efficient. Obviously, a greater scale of disclosure, transparency, and efficiency. It also highlights that tokenization and even the technology behind it is not enough to really facilitate adoption at scale, right, for the private markets. And I think it's going to be consortia. It's going to be legal and regulatory considerations. And ultimately, I think what's most important is that any one particular firm in the private asset ecosystem is not bearing too much of the burden of adoption. So, mutualizing the change and the adoption of innovation is really important for us to really achieve success as an industry.
0: I think that's a great segue into a quick fire round of just a few questions. I want to hear your high level thoughts on. So, one, what's your prediction for private markets in 2023?
1: My prediction for private markets in 2023, we're going to continue to see innovation in what I call non-blockchain-based technology offerings out there to really deliver on the promise of alts going mainstream. We've already seen it with announcements over the past month or so here in the markets globally. There is continued investment in private markets innovation before you even get into the Web3 and tokenization space. I think what we are going to see well, and I'm hopeful for it, we're actually involved in a number of these opportunities already in Web3 and tokenization, but we are going to see announcements around tokenization of end-to-end solutions being offered to the market, end-to-end proofs of concept that bring together issuers and the end investors, the high net worth accredited investor community That's ultimately the target for democratized access that these issuers are seeking. And so that ability to really move beyond individual product tokenization announcements and really being able to demonstrate end-to-end flows of both blockchain technology as well as off-chain technology and services that are required to conform with existing regulations and laws, as well as the participation of not only issuers, but also the investors that are really, really targeting here, the mainstream investor asset class, Michael. And that's what I think it's worth just noting again, I'm excited to be here on AGM in particular, because we really believe it's not just about getting these assets on chain as an issuer. It's really about opening up and democratizing access to this asset class at scale, in particular in the US, if we focus in on the US nomenclature, it's really democratizing accredited investor access to what historically has only been something reserved for qualified purchasers. And I think that's really, really important that we demonstrate in 2023 for all of the technology investment that's gone into this over the past few years. There's a lot of VC in the space. You have incumbent vendors like FIS involved in this space. We have to see some demonstrable success in connecting issuers with the investors that are targeted here. The
0: great segue into a more personal take on this, what is your favorite or most interesting alternative investment?
1: My favorite alternative investment is private equity, just because of the size and scale. And we're talking trillions of dollars of base in the market. And the reason that's really exciting to me, Michael, is because of the meteoric rise of private equity as an alternative to the public equity markets over the past 10 years. And this is something we've been following very closely in our public market businesses inside FIS that support public equities and bonds. It's been very telling. It's all about scale and efficiency in the public markets. And a lot of the alpha and exciting investment opportunities are really in private equity capital. And I think that's important. If you're chasing alpha, chasing any meaningful returns that outperform the market. You really need to seek out those asset classes that do that and do that at scale. VC, very interesting. I know there's some great platforms out there that that could give me access to VC as a personal investor. And, and it's an asset class, particularly with crypto and Web3, that's got a tremendous amount of attention in recent years as well. Again, fintech in general is a very VC heavy asset class, which we're excited about. Lots of innovation coming from the VC funds out there. Real estate is also interesting, but it's probably easier for me as a private investor to access real estate, even if it's just single family real estate, than it would be for me to access private equity. And so I'm really bullish on getting access to private equity, not only for myself as a personal investor, but for all of the clients that we support. There are advisors that want to offer a richer set of products to clients, and they cannot do that because they're really restricted in terms of access. So I'm most excited about getting private equity in as many investors' hands as possible because ultimately it just improves diversification and returns for a, a group that really needs it, particularly where public markets have been over the past 10 years or so.
0: What's so exciting about this is there's a firm in the middle of all of this, an FIS, that's enabling all that to happen.
1: I'm very excited. I'm very proud of what we do. And I'm excited because I think we've found the the roles that our clients Really want us to play here. And that's the role of not only an innovator, but also a facilitator of the many innovations that are happening out there in the market. A trusted advisor is such an overused, abused term, but it's a really important role that we play because there is such a trust factor with adoption. We're applying new technology and existing regulated markets. And what's exciting is clearly the fact that we've been in this space of providing technology led solutions to the market. For over 55 years as a company. So this is just yet another step in that journey of continuing to provide innovation, but doing that in a responsible, constructive, productive way that doesn't throw out the many years of technology and services that have existed before, but it finds ways for these things to coexist to facilitate adoption. And I think we're looking at Web3 and tokenization technology and the broader all goes mainstream sort of thesis as something that we can really play an important set of roles here on in the industry going forward.
0: You said it earlier, we go from evolutions to revolutions. And I think that's a great way to tie this all together and wrap this up because you are enabling these evolutionary processes to happen as you've done, like you said, in other markets. And that's why FIS is the successful company that is today. But that's what creates revolutionary outcomes, enabling so many more investors to have access to an asset class, done that for years, I don't think it'll be a surprise when we see it happen again. So John, thanks so much for coming on the Alco's mainstream podcast to share your views, to share all the work that FIS is doing in private markets that's innovative and exciting. So thanks so much for coming on. Pleasure to have you.
1: Michael, thank you once again for the opportunity to share with not only your audience, but I also hope spread the word and message on just how important the AGM thesis is. And I really think you're doing a, a tremendous job And being able to get that message out there and get the many different views and perspectives that everyone needs to understand, really, in order to drive and facilitate this journey that we're all on here to take Alts Mainstream. Well, let's make Alts go mainstream. Thanks a lot,
0: John. See you soon. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for listening to this episode of Alt Goes Mainstream. I hope you enjoyed it. You can find more episodes of the podcast at any of your favorite podcast sites, and you can read more about alts at my substack, altgoesmainstream.substack.com, and follow me on Twitter at at Michael Stigmore and at alt. Thanks a lot, and have a great day.
1: We're going-